we're going to continue on in the series of how to live a Holy Spirit-led life. We want to really get in depth a little bit about how to yield to the Holy Spirit. And I want to show you an example in the Bible how we are to yield in our lives. So many believers, what's happening because of the distractions in this world, we start yielding to wrong thoughts. We start yielding to bad news. We start yielding to outside things and it takes our life in a direction that God doesn't want it to go. But there's a way you and I have been wired our spirit man hungers and thirsts after the living God. We hunger for the word of God. It's the natural thing for us to be led by the mighty Holy Spirit that dwells in your spirit. So we're going to talk about it. I want to go back over some scriptures that have been very foundational. I believe God wants to just kind of wrap this up and kind of give you, as we've been going through this, I want to give you a flow picture because remember, being led by the spirit of God, it's not a set of principles right? There's principles in the word, but it's not about a set of principles. It's, it's not about a skill that you develop. It's about a sensitivity that you maintain. It's all about learning how to have a clear conscience, learning how not to be moved by the outside, to only be moved by the inside, right? It's, it's, it's knowing that the Holy Spirit is a person, and he is God. He is God the Holy Spirit. As much as God is the Father, as much as God is Jesus, the Son of God, it's the three who are one. And we said before, the Father, what does he do? As you go all the way through Scripture, he's the one who comes up with the plan. Jesus is always the one that carries out the plan, but the Holy Spirit is always the one that reveals the plan. So as we get into the Word of God, He reveals it to us. Amen? So let's look at this. John chapter 14. You could just write these in your notes. We'll put them up on the screen, but I'm just going to kind of read them and kind of flow a little quicker in this area because I want you to get a picture of who He is. John chapter 14 and verse 16 and 17. Jesus, in the last time that He was with His disciples before going to the cross, one of the things he said is, I'm going to pray the Father, and he will give you another comforter. And we know that word another is the Greek word allos. It means one who is exactly like me. If you want to see how Jesus, or how the Holy Spirit will lead you, read the Gospels and see how Jesus led his disciples. It'll fit perfectly. Jesus just got done telling them, guys, I'm going to be going away, and where, you could, where I'm going, you can't come right now. But don't worry, when I go to the Father, I'm going to send you another comforter. The Bible says he calls him a comforter. It's the Greek word parakletos. It's literally, that, that word means he's one that comes alongside you to take hold together with you against everything that you could face. I love that. He doesn't do things for you, he does everything as a believer with you. Okay? So it goes on to say, and he is going to abide with us forever. Wow. Forever. Way, see, our life doesn't end at the end of our life on earth. This is kind of like a dress rehearsal. This is probably the shortest span of, 
of time you're going to be anywhere, right? So it goes on to say, verse 17, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it sees him not, neither knows him, but you know him. Why? For he dwells in you and shall be with you. Isn't that awesome? Intimate, intimate relationship. In the Amplified Version, I'll read the Amplified Version of this verse because it brings out the parenthetical definition of comforter. It, it really goes into all that that word means. It says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. And now he's going to define what this, this word comforter really means. Or It means helper. It means advocate. It means an intercessor. It means a counselor. Isn't it good to know there's safety in a multitude of counselors. Well, there's a lot of safety in where the Holy Spirit is your counselor, right? It means strengthener and it means standby to be with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive and take to its heart because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he, the Holy Spirit, I love the way it says it here, remains with you continually and will be in you. The Holy Spirit remains with you continually. See, when you're out doing your own thing, you need to realize, although he, you can grieve him, he doesn't leave you. He's still with you continually. And the moment you decide to turn back to him, He's standing by, he'll strengthen you, he'll counsel you, he'll take hold together with you to help you get out of the mess that maybe you just created, right? He's always there. We have to know that. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive and take to its heart because it does not see him or know him, because you, but you know him because the Holy Spirit remains with you continually and will be in you. Wow. Isn't that awesome? In John chapter 15, in verse 26, so this is, a, this is a continuation. Jesus is telling his disciples what they are going to need when he leaves. John 15, 26, it says, But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceeds from the Father, he shall testify of me. So now he's going to always be with you. He's going to remain with you. Now we see he's going to always testify of Jesus. Who is Jesus? He will always witness of the Word of God. If anybody tells you, Anything, well, the Holy Spirit's just leading me to tell you, brother, and it doesn't line up with the word, you got to throw it out because the Holy Spirit would never say anything apart from the word of God. Okay? He always testifies of Jesus. Then in John 16, 13, it tells another aspect. John 16, 13, it says, How be it when he, the spirit of truth, I love this. When you see the spirit of truth, he is the agent of divine revelation. We have no ability to see this, right? We could, oh, we could read it. 
We can go through, we can read the word, but we can't see any of it. We can't understand it until the spirit of truth opens it up on the inside of us. You could meet a person who could quote scriptures. I remember one time in a college and career ministry in California, years and years ago, we had a guy come and it was very evident that this guy, he was not alone inside his body. There was, there was another presence and it was very demonic. It was a demon. And man, I'll tell you, when I was talking to him, it's just like it's been, every time this has happened to me, he would just quote scripture after scripture after scripture. But then within one to two minutes, all of a sudden he would be quoting a scripture and would quote it a little wrong. And then before long, he's actually coming against what he's been quoting. See, Satan... He can't testify of Jesus. He just can't, right? I mean, and he, and he won't. But the Holy Spirit only testifies of Jesus. And, and the Holy Spirit, he's the agent of divine revelation. He's the one that causes us to see the word of God. So we are completely, we are completely reliant on him for everything. Right? Everything I know about God is because of Him. I couldn't even have accepted Him if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit revealing to me Jesus. Isn't that amazing? The more I learn about the Lord, the more I realize I don't know, and the more excited I get. But I could tell you this the Holy Spirit will ensure that you always know everything you need to know when you need to know it. Actually, before you'll need to know it. He'll bring revelation of your heart about something in the Word of God that when all of a sudden you face something in life, you'll be ready. Amen. That's why we want to be sensitive. He shows us things to come. Howbeit when He, the Spirit of truth, is come, He will guide you. This Greek word hodego means he will show you the way. Isn't it amazing? If you're in your life right now, you might be asking yourself, you know, I'm in transition or I just sense that there's something else coming for my future. There's something else that I'm supposed to do. The Holy Spirit will show you the way. We get into trouble because we try to figure out the way, right? And we figure out the way based on what we believe we can do, which is always going to be a lot lower than what he's going to lead you. He will show us the way. He will guide you into all truth. One chapter after this, it tells us what truth is. It defines truth as God's word. It says God's word is truth. Truth is not of this world. Right now, truth is on trial. Truth, the whole world system is trying to water down truth. It, they're trying to make truth whatever I think truth is, is what it is. Well, that's not true. You get into some of the religions that deal with the philosophy. You get into Hinduism. You get into, you know, Buddhism. Even in the Muslim religion. A lot of it is what you think is true is true. Now, the Muslim religion, it's under the hard hand of Allah. But in Buddhism, it's, it's just, 
you know, it's, it's kind of, well, I, I think I know, Buddha says, I think I'm pointing to the truth, or no, I think Buddha said, I don't even know what truth is, but you, it's a philosophy, you kind, kind of come up with truth. Secular humanism will tell you that whatever you think is true, that's what is true. God says what is truth, it comes from him. It proceeds out of his mouth. It's not of this world. And we could bet our life on, on the truth of God's word because it's forever settled in heaven. It never changes, right? And see, the Holy Spirit, he will literally guide us into all the truth. You're going to need to know some things as you walk with God. You'll need to know which way to go because it's not multiple choice, right? Well, the Holy Spirit, he'll show you which way to go. So we have to stay sensitive. He'll guide you into all the truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak and he will show you things to come. He will always get you ready for what you're going to face. Isn't that good news? It's wonderful news. So then we jumped over. We jumped over to Romans chapter 8 in the New Testament now. Uh, after, after Jesus is resurrected now. And here we have Paul's letter to the Roman Christians. And he says this, Romans 8, 14. For as many as are led... By the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. This word sons of God means the mature coming of age sons of God. They that are led. We find out from this passage of Scripture that every believer has a right and also it comes with responsibility to be led by the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit wants to lead you, wants to guide you, into all the truth of your life. Your, your path, although like for us as a church family, we're walking together, I'm telling you tonight, the Holy Spirit is dividing this message individually to each of us. It's, it's literally, he's speaking to your heart tonight about what you need to see and know so that you can move forward on the path that God has for you. And he's, he has a glorious path for you. It's good, it's never evil. It's to give you an end of expectation. What that means is it's so that you can walk out every desire that's in your heart that God placed there. And the Holy Spirit will lead you into it. He goes on to say here, the Spirit himself, it says itself, but it's the Greek word autos. He's not an it, he's a him. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. How the Holy Spirit leads us. This is kind of defining the inward witness. It's the number one way the Holy Spirit leads us. Right down on the inside of you, the Holy Spirit is always going to bear witness with you that you are a child of God. He's always going to be doing it. The question is going to be, are you sensitive enough to hear that? And what I mean by that is, you're going to go through life and remember... You know, we have, we have two ditches on the side of this sovereignty road. We have one ditch over here that says, well, you know, you, God's ways are higher than our ways. They're normally about one verse off from really seeing it. So you just don't know what God's going to do. Well, that's, that's not Bible because he wants you to know. 
He said in Ephesians, don't be unwise, but I want you to understand what the will of the Lord is. So over here in this ditch, it's, it's you know, God's sovereign. You never know what he's going to do. And, you know, he'll heal some, but he won't heal others. And you just, but he has a higher plan. And, you know, sometimes if a child dies, well, you know, God had a higher plan for that child. He needs him in heaven and all kinds, another voice in the choir, some crazy stuff. It's as if we've never read John 10.10, which explains it all, right? We write books that are New York Times bestseller. That should be our first clue, right? But it's, it's why do bad things happen to good people? Well, the Bible tells you why. John 10.10, the thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. In the Old Testament, Satan was not really revealed a whole lot, but Jesus exposed him in the New Testament. But even in the Old Testament, his name was Apollyon. That literally means the destroyer. All he does, he walks around seeking whom he can devour. And here's the cool thing. He's been stripped. Jesus reduced him to nothing. He lives on this planet right now as an outlaw. He's trying to steal, kill, and destroy. But we as Christians, we've been given authority over him. So we have authority in the name of Jesus, but we have to know these things. Right? So we, it goes on to say, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. See, so when you have symptoms in your body, the Holy Spirit will be witnessing and bearing witness with your heart. Listen, Jesus himself, Matthew 8, bore your sickness and carried your pain. You're a child of God. You don't have to bear that, right? The Holy Spirit down on the inside of you will say, listen, 1 Peter 2.24, he'll bear witness, he'll witness of Jesus, by whose stripes you were healed. When you feel you start getting these thoughts condemning you for past sin and, and all this stuff, all of a sudden he'll bring to your remembrance Romans chapter 8, where it says that all of your sin was condemned once and for all in the body of Jesus on the tree. He bore it. It's gone. Old things are passed away. You're a child of God now. Everything is new. Think about that. If you were abused as a child, listen, as a child of God, old things are passed away. All the results of that abuse is gone. All you're experiencing is the mental imagery of it in your mind, but the Word of God, as you plant it in your heart, will pull that right out. And when God, see, when God heals, He takes away the scar. There is no scar in your spirit. You just have to renovate your thinking with the Word of God, and you could walk free from everything. Why? Because whoever the Son has made free is indeed free. Could it be that simple? Could it be that what is taking so many people bondage, what's destroying multitudes of lives, are simply a lie that's not the Word of God? Yes. And God has entrusted us with His Word but he's entrusted us with his word 
But we are indwelled by the Holy Spirit, so now we are the hands of Jesus. We're the mouth of Jesus. We're the light in the world. But listen, God will never call you to do something, to give something to somebody that you don't have. So he wants you free. He wa- and what I mean by that, he wants you walking in the freedom that he's already purchased for you so that you could lead other people out of bondage. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And we said this, I've said this numerous times, here's the thing, if you are up to here with your own plans, if it's all about your life, you are one dull, spiritually dull individual. You will not hear his leading because you're up to here with you. So Satan's going to try to ignite your flesh with circumstances, with people, and he'll use anything he can to try to get your eyes on yourself because it dulls you spiritually. We're not created to live for ourselves. We're not created to live by ourselves. And what I mean by that is just being alone and doing things by ourselves. No, we do it together with him and with each other. Big, big thing. But you know, loneliness. What is loneliness? It's a spirit. And you have authority over it. You tell it to leave and you won't be lonely anymore. You could be sitting in your house all alone. And all of a sudden you're like, wow. Because let me, let me clue you in on something. You are never alone. The Holy Spirit will never leave you. God where in his presence is fullness of joy, is always with you. He does not jump off your car if you go above 55 miles an hour. (laughs) Right? If you find yourself choosing wrong and you walk into places that you should not be, guess what? He's still there. He's still there. The Bible says nothing can separate you from the love of God. Now, is he able to work in your life? No, because you're out doing your own thing. But he'll just prompt you. Hey, this is way below. I love you. I've got a better plan for you. And the moment you turn to him, he's right there. He's right there. God loves you. So important. The inward witness, it's explaining it. He bears witness with your spirit. So what happens is the Holy Spirit impresses your spirit with the Word of God. Your spirit will turn that impression into a thought and communicate it to your mind. That's how, that's, that's how the Lord leads all of us. And the enemy will jump up and down and tell you, well, no, that's not God, that's you. And the reason why he gets people, he fools people, is because it sounds like you. Because your spirit's communicating to your mind. God will never talk to your mind. He just won't do it. He's not, he's not superficial. He wants, he wants relationship with you. You're a spirit, right? You have a soul, which is your mind, will, and emotions. And you live in a body, but you're a spirit. And he communicates spirit to spirit. He, it's, it's so intimate. It's wonderful. Hallelujah. And and here is the principle that he does. As he witnesses of Jesus, it causes you to come to know him. The reason why you can walk by faith and live by faith is because you trust him because you know him. Right? And as you get to know him on the inside, 
it automatically turns your life to him. So God wants you meditating in his word day and night. Revelation of his word will be a constant flow. I don't have moments of revelation. I, well, I should say it this way. I have moments of revelation in the word of God in the midst of constant revelation from the word, in, from the word of God coming from the Holy Spirit. It's all the time. Because I can't walk by faith if I'm not walking in a constant revelation of who he is. Eternal life is knowing him. Right? What is healing? What is prosperity? What is freedom? Jesus. It's knowing him. It's everything. So God guides us and he enlightens us by our spirit. He bears witness. In Proverbs 20, 27, it says... The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. God uses your spirit to guide you. He'll enlighten your spirit. And thank God he does. Have you ever, like in your mind, have you ever all of a sudden realized, wow, I've been looking at this all wrong for years. Thank God he doesn't lead us by our mind. He goes much deeper. He bears witness with your spirit so that what happens is when you see something and now you have it in your spirit, oh man, you can't be moved. When I know that Jesus is my healer, it's, it's over for the enemy. It's over. When I know that God is my provider, when I know that I already have been given everything, that pertains to life and godliness. I've already been blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. When I already know, First John, whoever's born of God overcomes the world. So that means that January 22nd, 1962, I was born into this earth. In July of 1966, I was, I was just this little guy. But the moment I got born again, I became a world overcomer. I completely had everything within me to overcome everything in the world system at four and a half years old. Couldn't even spell world system, right? Didn't even know what it was, but it was all there. And then that's where it all began. The Holy Spirit leads us and he guides us. He's always there and he'll never leave you, never leave you. It says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, in verse 12. It says, now, now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God. So we've received the mighty Holy Spirit. Why? That we might know. This word know in the Greek literally means perceive. It means that so that we could see something. The Holy Spirit on the inside of me causes me to see something. What is it? The things that are freely given us of God. Wow, what things is that? All things that pertain to life and godliness. So I know the reason why the Holy Spirit, he had to make me a brand new spirit. He took the one that was dead and separated from him, spiritually dead. He had to take that spirit out. He put a brand new spirit in me. We call it being born again, born from above. And then the Holy Spirit took residency in my spirit. And now all that God has done for me is for one reason, so that I can know him. 
God didn't do that for me so I could be a pastor. No, so that I could know him. Everything I do as a pastor comes from knowing him. Everything I do as a father, as a dad, comes from knowing him. Anything else that doesn't come from him, it's not worth anything. Anything that I am as a good husband to Jeanette, it comes because I know him. Everything comes from knowing him, and the Holy Spirit leads me to know him. He gives us his spirit so that we can know the things. See, these things are too good to be true, but we've got to see them. That's why it says in Proverbs 3, in verse 5 and 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. This is explaining how to be led by the Spirit of God. This is two verses of Scripture that really sum it up. God is saying, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. That means my trust is not in myself. It's not in any money. It's not in any position. It's not in any talent or ability. It's not in any other person. It's I'm trusting in the Lord with all of my heart. And now I'm leaning not on my own understanding. I'm not trying to figure it out. I'm not relying on my own understanding. But in all my ways, I'm acknowledging him. Always. My eyes are fixed on Jesus. He's the author and developer of my faith. And so my eyes are fixed on him. In all my ways, I acknowledge him. And see, now I'm in a position where I'm sensitive. And now he will direct my paths. You could say it this way. He's able to direct your paths. Because see, God can't violate our will. So if, if, if you won't get out of the boat, then you'll never be able to walk on the water. Walking on the water for us could be a new business. It could be a house. It could be a ministry. It could be, it could be anything. But our life is out of the boat. It's the walk of faith is on the water. So I have to trust him. with Because while I'm walking, I'm telling you, the enemy's going to be telling me, my own unrenewed mind's going to be telling me, man, you can't walk on water. The enemy will be telling me, who do you think you are walking on water? You can't. You're just Tony. You're that guy that messed up. And to that I say, no, 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 I'm not that guy. No, I'm not, I'm not that guy. Right? I've been made the righteousness of God himself in Christ. He'll direct my paths. So we said this, the beginning of you and I being led by the Spirit of God, the beginning of it is you have to submit to the written word of God. You have to make a decision. Jesus you're my Lord, my body, my spirit, everything that I own is all yours. I was bought and purchased with a price. What was that price? It was the ultimate price. It was the blood of Jesus. I am 100% his, right? I have to come to that. And so I am now going to submit to this word, which means that my flesh is not going to like that. It might not like it. It's going to feel uncomfortable, but that's okay because it'll lead me into life. I don't do what I want to do. I do what the Word says I'm, going to, I'm to do. I'm led by the Spirit of God. Let every man be a liar, but let God be true. I live life in simplicity. 
I submit to the Word of God, and I'm led by the Spirit of God. That's, that's the simplicity of our life. Oh, it gets so complicated, right? Oh, man, you know, uh, I mean, right now, right now you're, you're dealing with, there's people in, in seminaries and Bible schools that just graduated. What do I do? They're all stressed out, right? It's horrible, like in January at Ramah. Everybody, first thing they say to you, what, what are you going to do when you graduate? And then people start making stuff up. Because <laughs> you've got to be spiritual, right? Don't, don't try to be spiritual. You know why? Because you already are. You're a spirit. Don't, don't try to be good enough. You know why? Because you already are. Don't, don't, don't spend your whole life living for yourself trying to be a success. You know why? Because you already are. And so now, who you are in Christ, if you'll just follow him, oh man, you'll walk in all of it. You'll walk in all of it, but there's going to be a peace and an assurance. There's no toil. Will you have opportunities to be freaked out? Will you face some big things in life? Let me prophesy over you, right? Now, I'm, I'm being funny right now, but I'm telling the truth. You, there are storms in your life. If you're not in one now, enjoy it. But the Holy Spirit will be getting you ready for the next one. But here's the cool thing. Jesus has already won, which means you've already won. So when you see that on the horizon, and you're like, oh, wow, another storm. This is going to be cool, seeing how God gets me out of this thing, right? Because God already got me out before I was ever even born. Well, you start, see, what I'm saying is we are on a race, but guess what? We've already won the race because Jesus already won the race for us. Psalm 119, verse 105, you can't ever get away from it. Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It is what will show me the way, but I can't see the word unless the Holy Spirit reveals it. So it's so, so very important. 1 Peter 2.21. It says, For even hereunto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example. That word in the Greek, example, literally means a pattern. Jesus left a pattern for us. And then it says that you should follow his steps. That sounds really nice, but in the Greek language, it's in the commanded text. We are commanded to follow his steps. He said, as the fathers called me, now I'm calling you. The works that I did, greater works are you going to do because I'm going to the Father. If anybody says he belongs to the Lord, he should walk as he walked. I mean, the Bible says that. So we have to follow the pattern. So now we talked about being led by the Spirit of God. We know the Holy Spirit is going to always try to show you the pattern of Jesus in the Word. Why? Because Romans 12, 2 don't be conformed. Don't be pressed into the mold of the pattern of the world, but be transformed, right, by the renewing of your mind. What? Into what? Into the pattern of Jesus. 
So we find the pattern of Jesus in the world, we peer into it, the Holy Spirit brings revelation, and we're transformed into the pattern. That's how we live, right? So we talked a lot about, about that. That transformation part is the renewing of our mind. So then, last week, we talked about, so now, so now we have the Holy Spirit. He's going to lead us and guide us. He's never going to leave us, right? Now I've made a decision to where now I have submitted my life to the written word of God. So now, at this point in time, I'm in fellowship with him and I'm living in his presence because everything is revealed in that state. Now, because of that, what's happening, I'm meditating in the word day and night. I'm seeing the pattern of Jesus. I'm being transformed into the pattern. But now, the enemy's going to always be coming and trying to clutter things. Remember, we talked about having a clear conscience. Conscience is the voice of your spirit. It's how your spirit expresses itself. Right? Reason is the voice of your mind. It's how your mind expresses itself. Feelings are the voice of your body. It's how your body expresses itself. So now I've got to keep my conscience clear. I can't clutter it. Okay? So, and this is what happens if I'm all about me. Guess what? I'm going to have a cluttered conscience. So I have to maintain a clear conscience to be spirit-led. Ignoring or saying no to the Holy Spirit clutters your conscience. So just don't ever say no to Him. Now, that might take a while if you've been like I live for years. I wouldn't verbally say, no, Holy Spirit, I am not doing that. But what I would do is I'd walk around my life and I'd be like, la, 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 right? God reveals, speaks to my heart. I want you to go to Bible school at Rhema Bible Training Center in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, when I'm 20 years old. But I looked at everything. How am I going to do that? I, I, I live in Southern California. I paid my dues. I lived in the Midwest. I grew up in Illinois. So there's no ocean in Oklahoma, Right? Uh, and, and how am I going to live there? So, so what happens is I didn't say no, I just kind of got busy. And, to, and, and I was busy in ministry too. So I'm kind of like, well, hey, you know, I'm in ministry. And all the time, God's going, you need to, you need to go to Ramah. You need to go to Ramah. Ten years, I walked around that mountain. It wasn't until the Lord brought a young lady in my life that when I was 30 years old, I finally made it there, right? Now, thank God he redeems the time, but I got to tell you, you do stupid things when you're walking around the mountain, right? Have, have you ever noticed that? See, see, a lot of times we wonder why what's happening in our life is happening to us, but you got off at the wrong exit, I remember one time I had to go to this meeting with the Lakers and then I was going to go see a game and I had to do, I think I was, it might have been, I think I had to like do some shoot with one of the players that we were, they, they were going to do like a commercial and stuff. And so I'm, I'm trying to get, it was then the forum. They didn't play at the Staples Center. So I, I, you know, I took the wrong exit. And all of a sudden I'm like, wow, this feels really natural. 
Uh, there's bars on every window. This looks like a really unsafe place. This looks like kind of where I grew up in Illinois. And this is definitely not the road to the forum, right? So, I mean, I took the wrong exit. You know, you take the wrong exit in life and things can happen, right? But here's the cool thing. You have a GPS on the inside of you, right? All you got to do is go, help me, Holy Spirit. And he will get you back on that highway and get you to where you need to be. And he really knows the shortest way. Although sometimes it doesn't feel short because your flesh wants everything right now, right? Even when you're making microwave popcorn. Do you ever just feel all fulfilled? You're like, come on. You know, I mean, it's going to take a whole minute, right? And you're like, come on. All that's designed to get you to not be used to just relaxing because you've already won and then just listening for the Holy Spirit's leading so that he can tell you. You want to get to a point in your life that when you lose your keys, the first thing that comes up to you is, Holy Spirit, where are my keys? If, there, if your car's not working right or something's not going right, the first thing that hits you is, Holy Spirit, help me. That's where you want to get because he wants to help you. The things that you put off, the things that you procrastinate about will negatively affect your spiritual sensitivity. Now, here's the thing. If you're sitting here tonight going, man, pastor, that's such good preaching. All these people really need that because I really, I'm doing really good in that area. Okay, so, so we're talking to you mainly <laughs> because that's pride and pride blinds you. That's a manifestation of pride. Everybody else has a problem, but I'm just, I'm good. Ooh, okay, right? I know everything. Gosh, the world would be a better place if everybody just knew what I knew, right? Pride, that's dangerous. No, we want to not clutter our life. Proverbs 4.23, it tells us, keep or guard your heart with all diligence because out of your heart flow the issues or the boundaries of your life. Hallelujah. Remember Revelation 3.20? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And that Greek word means he's continually knocking. Jesus is on, he's on the outside of your heart wanting to come in all the time. Now, the Spirit of God is in you. You know what I'm saying. It's, it's, this is Revelation 3.20, but it's talking to a believer. If any man hear my voice and open the door... That's that, that one little word, if. It tells me that I have to choose whether or not I open the door, how fast I open the door, or how, how far I go into this. Do I, do I invite Jesus in all the way, or do I keep him at the entryway? Because I don't want him to... Have you ever had somebody come over to your house, right? And all of a sudden you're, you're like, oh, my house is a mess. I don't really want them to see this or see that. A lot of us do that with the Lord. Sometimes we open the door and we jump outside. Hey, Jesus, how's it going? Right? And, you know, and you're thinking, man, I really want to go do this and I want to, you know, whatever. No, how, how are you going to let him in? Because the Bible says... 
If any man hear my voice and open the door, and only you can open the door, I'll come into him and sup with him, and he with me. John chapter 14 says it this way in verse 21. He that has my commandments, that means he that holds my commandments, and keeps them, that means I guard them, I watch over them. He it is that loves me, and he that loves me will be loved of my Father, and I will love him, and here's the big part, and manifest myself to him. This word manifest means I will uncover, I will reveal, I'll make myself visible. So we want to always have the door open to the Lord. Oh, Jesus, it's you. Come on in. You are welcome in any room of my house. Right? If you have the rooms that, that, that you know are, he's not going to like them, man, those are the ones you need to invite him into. You need to say, hey, listen, you know, I've got this, I've got this problem in my life, Lord, and can we start, I know you're spending the evening with me, can we start, I need to take you into this room because it's a mess and I'm not able to clean this up myself. God gets excited about that. He's like, absolutely. Because, Tony, it was never your job to clean up the mess. And James tells us he doesn't get down on us for the mess. He just wants to clean it up. And see, when he cleans it up, it'll never affect you again. Yeah, but pastor, you don't understand. I have a criminal record. Okay, so what? Yeah, but you can't get a job if you're a convicted felon. I, I'm going to go with the word. Yes, you can. To be honest with you, God could rebuild your life to the point to where literally, not only will that be a negative, but you will use that your whole life to get other people free. There is nothing that can stop you in life when you're a child of God. Why? Because of you? No, because of Jesus. Nothing catches him off guard. Nothing catches him off guard. To be honest with you, eight million years ago, before, before Adam and Eve, millions of years before Adam and Eve ever lived, God had a plan to get you out of the mess you might be in right now. He already had a plan. Isn't that good news? Man, pastor, that's great preaching. So I want to finish this up. by I want to I go to Romans chapter 6, and I want to see what Paul how he conveyed some truth in Romans that will help you. Because, see, you have to open the door. You have to invite him in. In other words, to live a Holy Spirit-led life, you're going to have to learn how to yield. Yield to him. Right? You're going to have to learn how to yield to the Holy Spirit. How to literally just go, yes. That's huge. Supernatural recovery, Dwayne. Whatever you did to that leg, supernatural recovery. So Revelation 3.20, or I'm sorry, Romans chapter 6, verse 10. Let's read this. It says this, For in that he died, he died unto sin. Now this, this word for sin is a noun. It's not talking about a sinful behavior. It's talking about a sin nature which is spiritual death. 
For in that he died, Jesus died, he died unto spiritual death. Okay? Once. But in that he lives, he lives unto God. We know on the cross, for three hours, he was separated from his father. On the cross, he bore the weight and judgment of all the sin, sickness, disease, all the result of the curse of the law. He bore it all. Isaiah said to look upon him, he didn't even look human. We have no idea what that did. But Jesus took it all, it says. He took it all once, so it's gone now. And now, but he, in that he lives, he lives unto God. Verse 11, likewise, so now likewise. This Greek word means in the same manner or in the same way, reckon yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. The word reckon means count it to be done. Accept it to be true what's already and already has been accomplished and is already an established fact. So in the same way Jesus died spiritually once, in the same way you and I are to reckon ourselves or count ourselves dead. Reckon ourselves, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. This is a command. You have to reckon yourself dead to sin. It, it, it gives us a truth. Now this is hard because you've got to yield to this truth. And we sing songs in church. How, you know, who saved a wretch like me. And we've sung it for years. And I love Amazing Grace, but I'm sorry, I can't say who saved a wretch like me because I'm not a wretch anymore. Right? Who saved someone like me? Who's someone like me? Well, I was a wretch. But then I received Christ, and now I am no longer a wretch. See, what happens, there's a person, and I've said this before, that beats you up more than anybody else will beat you up, and it's you. And the enemy will come, and he's an accuser of the brethren. He'll tell you about every mistake you've ever made. He'll make you, but, but pastor, you don't understand. I feel like I'm a sinner. Well, let's look at what the Bible is saying. You need to reckon yourself. Count it to be done. What's already been done for you. Jesus bore all your sin so you don't have to. Wow. In the same way, he bore all your sickness, so you don't have to. In the same way, he bore all your poverty and lack, so you don't have to. Amen. Reckon your, ye yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. See, if you felt dead to sin, you wouldn't have to reckon yourself. When I taught this to the men, Pastor Edwin, our discipleship pastor, pretty much a mathematical genius, you know, we have one of the highest IQs of a pastoral staff of any church, and really he's the anchor in that deal. <laughs> right, Mark? I mean, you know, we got to, yeah, we're just like, yes. I mean, wow. 
right? So, so, but I asked him one morning. I mean, it was 6.30 in the morning. He wasn't expecting it. I'm like, Edwin, can you tell me what X plus Y means? What, what, what is X plus Y? Simple mathematical equation. And, and Pastor Edwin's looking at me like, what? And I'm like, so I kind of taunted him. I'm like, come on, I, you teach AP physics, AP chemistry, you got your PhD in biochemistry, you don't know what X plus Y is? But if I gave him information that X is 2 and Y is 3, then he could reckon that problem, oh, it's 5. But he couldn't reckon that problem if he didn't know that X was 2 and Y is 3. In the same way, if you don't know that Jesus was made to be sin for you so that you were made the righteousness of God, you'll live your whole Christian life that I'm just a sinner. You've got to be able to reckon it. Why am I saying this? Because you've got to be able to reckon things in order to yield. Because this thing that God has for you is good news. Okay, so let's keep going. See, if you felt like you weren't a sinner, or if you, if you, you know, then it wouldn't be a problem. But so many times you'll feel like something and people are led by their feelings and it's not true. Romans 6.12, let's look at this. Let not sin, this is again a noun, it means let not the sin nature therefore reign in your mortal body. That you should obey, that means that you should carry out in the lust thereof. So now, the Word of God is telling us, don't allow the sin nature that's still in your flesh to have full and superior dominion in your life. Don't let it operate, is what he's saying. Now, here's the difference. Somebody cuts you off on Dodge. Sin nature says, I can't believe that idiot did that to me. Your spirit goes... I wonder what's going on in his life. You know, obviously there's something going on. He's in a hurry. He must be stressed. Father, bless him. Right? Sin nature, everybody's against me. Spirit, nobody could stop me. Right? So we have to, we have to do this now. See, we go on, verse 13. It says, neither yield... That word yield means present. Don't present your members as instruments of unrighteousness. Don't present, and this word instrument means a weapon. Don't allow your flesh, the sin nature in your flesh to operate so that you're a weapon of unrighteousness. Do you know that Satan, only, he gets Christians to divide the church. The church is never conquered from outside. It's always conquered by people that are stirred in a wrong way and allow their flesh to operate. And all of a sudden, they go from somebody that just loves their church and just, man, how can I help and all this stuff, to all of a sudden, hmm, I wonder why that pastor's doing that and I wonder why this. And pretty soon we go over here, we start murmuring. And, you know, why, why in the world do they have blue seats? And I like pews better and right? You're a weapon for unrighteousness. You're not talking about your fellow brothers and sisters. You're talking about God. 
right? So we gotta, we, he's saying don't yield. He's talking about yield. Don't yield your flesh so that the enemy can use it for unrighteousness, right? Unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as weapons of righteousness unto God. Isn't that amazing that here I am, a born-again, spirit-filled believer, and right now, depending on what I yield to, I could either be a weapon for righteousness or I could still be a weapon for unrighteousness. Isn't that amazing? How am I going to keep myself? I've got to know who I am so that I yield correctly. You have to know who you are so that you will yield to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Satan cannot make you do anything. You decide. So, so take that. Don't blame anybody else because you lose your ability to change. Just take it and realize God has a plan for your life. Don't yield to a wrong spirit and let the wrong spirit drive you. See, what it's saying is now that you know that you've reckoned yourself dead to sin, you can use this to train yourself to walk free from things. In the same way, when you reckon yourself to be who you are, what the Word says you are, now you're in a position to be sensitive so the Holy Spirit can lead you and guide you and you can grow in the things of God. You see the parallel here? This is so important. Don't let the circumstances that you're facing dictate your confession. Let the Word of God dictate what you say. Right? Don't let that which threatens you and the outside intimidate you because greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. The man on the outside is to follow the man on the inside. I don't ask myself how I'm feeling. I'm going to tell myself how I'm feeling. That's what the Bible talks about. This is why the walk of faith, the Holy Spirit's going to lead you in your walk of faith to use your faith on you. Right? What is the number one thing I'm believing for? The number one thing I believe for is that I'm going to keep my flesh under, keep my mouth in check, right? Because I talk a lot. So I got to watch that thing. So I stay so sensitive that if I say something stupid, or silly, or contrary to the word, I immediately can stop and go, wait a minute. No, I curse that word. I don't believe that. Right? When circumstances happen in the church or whatever, Jeanette and I take a moment and we stop. And because we could feel like, man, you know, your mind goes, well, this is happening. That could affect this and this and over here. And, and oh my gosh, we don't want to go through that again. Right? That's all our flesh. We have to take a moment and stop and go, nope, this is where we live. No weapon formed against us will prosper. Right? Satan, you could, you could form weapons all day long. None of them are going to work because you're defeated. And we stay at rest. Verse 14, real quick. Romans 6, 14. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. Right? So he's answering these questions. 
So strength, we want to walk in strength. What is strength? Strength is believing God's word to be true in your heart and confessing it out of your mouth. That's what strength is. If you're ever not doing that, you're not strong. And the Bible says continually be strengthened in Christ. So I'm always to be believing God's word in my heart and confessing it out of my mouth. That is always going to be what the Holy Spirit leads me to do. Always. When I feel like I just want to feel sorry for myself, he's going to be leading me and guiding me to get over myself. Always. Right? This is so important. Verse 15. What then shall we sin because we're not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Verse 16, know ye not that to who you ye... Now, this is the big thing right here. This shows us it's possible to live free from sin. This is showing us how to always be led by the Spirit of God. It says this, know ye not that to who you yield yourself servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey, whether to sin... Now, that's a, diff, that's a verb. That means the behavior of sin unto death or to obedience unto righteousness. It's all about yielding. God is saying, in this context, we are to yield ourselves to the Spirit of God so that He can lead us in the Word of God. We're not to yield ourselves to things that are not of God. In 1 John 2.1, it says, My little children, 1 John 2.1, my little children, these things write I unto you, that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. So let's, in Romans 6 now, let's, let's finish this up. We have three more verses and then I'll let you go. Verse 17, But God be thanked that you were the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. You should walk around all day confessing, Father, I thank you that I'm free. I am free from sin. This is a noun. That means I'm free from the sin nature. And, and what? I'm a servant of righteousness. Verse 19, I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity, the weakness of your flesh. Now look at this. For as you have yielded your members, servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members, servants to righteousness unto holiness. This verse is saying, listen guys, in the same way you yielded your flesh to sin before you were born again, now yield your flesh to righteousness unto holiness. Why did I read all that? This is what I want you to see. Yielding is your choice. Isn't that deep? Tonight, you need to know you're in control. You, you can literally know God as much as you want to know Him. You can literally 
yield yourself to the Holy Spirit and, and everything in your life that even looks like defeat or looks anything different than what God's Word says, He will get it all out of your life. There won't even be a residual of it. Yeah, but you don't understand, Pastor. I have blown it for 50 years. That's okay. God's greater than that. He's got a way out. But what's not okay is letting, letting your mouth yield to the enemy anymore and putting up with any of this nonsense anymore. God wants you blessed. He wants you living in peace and in joy. He wants you experiencing life on his level. That's what he has for you, and he needs you to walk in that because you need to bear all your fruit in your season because we're here so short. I don't want anybody to miss heaven. Now, now, and let's say this, God will get his job done. See, I don't want anybody else to have to pastor Faith Family Church. Right? I, I don't want that. I, I want to I finish my course. I want to do what he's called me to do. You know, you could say, well, yeah, but there's been churches, man. They blew up, and now they're not even anymore. Listen, God's still getting the vision of that church that's no more. There's another church with another name that's fulfilling the vision. But I say, why, why, let, why let others do what God's called us to do? Amen. Right? Because the ride is awesome. It's no toil. It's just literally catching the wave and letting God be God. My job is to yield and be willing and obedient. Amen?